You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, it is Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 46. Uh, Unfortunately, again, (laughs) a podcast devoted to a major injury to a White Sox player. These are fun. (laughs) Maybe we could have one next month, too. Okay, let's see. From top to bottom, left to right, I don't know. It's probably going to look different on your screen and certainly in your ears on the podcast. We will start with the, well, let's just start with the entirety of the Indianapolis field office. Uh, It's Sergeant at Arms. Uh, Sleepy Joe Reeses, uh, he has shown up for the podcast here for tonight, and we are going to try to remove the poison arrow that has been struck right through his heart with this Nick Madrigal injury because I'm sure he is not happy. Uh, the other half of the uh, Indianapolis field office is Crystal O'Keefe. She of the uh, winning streak O'Keefe's uh, trying to extend that tonight as she is taking time out to do this podcast while covering for six pack of stats. Now that is some kind of multitasking. You may know Crystal from the podcast. It is sweeping the nation. It is the estrogen power hour. It is breaking all sorts of land speed records. And uh, yeah, you know, she's a quarter of that. So how about that? Uh, she is slumming it now with the mothership podcast talk, Nick Madrigal. Okay. And the man who's going to give us some answers maybe or not, or maybe his charger's going to run out. He's going to run out of charge. He's going to have to take off. That could be cool. I'm sort of hoping he does it. Uh, also from the Eastern time zone, because apparently the White Sox play in the East. Those are the only people who show up for these podcasts. It's Trevor Lyons straight out of Louisville settled in there. And right now, again, he's taking time out, pausing from an article that's feverishly going to predict who is going to somehow be able to take over for Nick Madrigal, who's going to be out for at least Two months, if not the entire year, he's going to provide us perhaps some answers there. Or if he's not, 
he's going to shrug his shoulders and we all might start weeping already. The Indianapolis field office, they're reeling right now with the Nick Madrigal injury. Of course, I'm Brett Ballantini. Uh, seats were hot for this one because the hippie podcasts are almost done. Only a few days left. I'm going to lose about five pounds pretty soon. It's coming. Uh, I don't think there's any scalping. Trevor was, Trevor was, I don't think he got any bids. I actually don't think he got any bids. Oh, well, it's all right. <laughs> there's still going to be a couple more podcasts before this is all done. Uh, Nick Madrigal, the news is uh, torn hamstring running to first base. Uh, sound familiar? Uh, he is out at least 60 days, put on the 60 day injured list, which seems extremely dire. And of course it is, but part of that was for practical reason to be able to bring somebody up in Brian Goodwin, who's not on the 40 man, that's sort of a procedural thing. Uh, but still he's not playing for at least 60 days. And it seems like it's up in the air, whether or not he's going to miss the season. It really comes down to whether or not they uh, push him to get surgery or if he can rest, relax, think about getting hits with two strikes and uh, come back sometime, let's say mid, probably late August best case scenario. So let's start with Joe Rhesus, Nick Madrigal, uh, super fan, uh, just in general, guys, the news, you saw this, uh, did you think it was going to be this bad? Uh, take me back 24 hours and your feelings seeing Nikki uh, get injured. It's, um, first off, thank you for the kind introduction and the nickname. Um, totally, totally fair. Um, and, um, yes, um, but um, moving on um, yeah, to Madrigal, I'm very sad um, about that. And um, I, I was kind of hoping for the best last night after I, I saw the injury, but it kind of like my mind immediately went to the, the Luis Robert injury when he was running down to first base. And um, I, it was kind of difficult for me to try and stay positive um, after after seeing how Madrigal couldn't stay on his feet um, after he um, was thrown out on that close play at first. And, um, yeah, it was obviously not a good feeling. And uh, my initial feeling is that, like, uh, you, know, you mentioned that yeah, I'm a Madrigal super fan. And, you know, some of that is at least, like, partially, um, partially from, like, people – like all, all of the doubters. Um, and I, I kind of just really want him to prove a lot of them wrong. Like the Keith laws of the world, you say he yeah. can't do a lot of these yeah. different things. Doesn't have an elite hit tool. Feeling is nothing special. You know, he's been beginning to kind of silence the, the critics. And yeah, these past few weeks, he's, the bat has been on fire. Um, but um, yeah, it's just a shame to see him go down like this. And um because he was really starting to show a lot of progress. Crystal? Yeah, I, I'm with <laughs> Joe a lot on that. <laughs> I was crushed. It looked, I mean, it looked really bad when he went down. He couldn't get up. He couldn't put any weight on it. So I just saw this season flash before my eyes, and I was like, well, this, this just sucks. I'm sick of this. Like, if we could stop killing off all of our players the second they get hot – I would really appreciate that. Um, I mean, it, Steve Stone made it sound like it was a lot worse at first in the broadcast. He was talking about how it could have been different injuries. And I mean, it like it, it looked bad. It looked awful on TV. So, um, yeah, I'm super bummed. I don't really know where to go from here. I feel like just, there's there's not a good equivalent of what Nick Madrigal has done in the last few weeks even that can 
I can match that at bat that we had. Now, Trevor, your thoughts without getting into uh, what we'll probably do in the second half is talk about what options we have at second base, but what were your reactions to the, uh, to the injury and just learning then today that it was actually as bad or, or worse than we were hoping? Yeah, like Crystal was saying, um, with Steve Stone on the broadcast talking about an Achilles, that, that had me really, really scared. And I guess it's better than that. Um, but with a hamstring injury, once it came out late last night that it was a hamstring, this is as bad as it can get with a hamstring. Yeah. It's completely torn. So huge bummer there. And if Joe, you know, if you ranked people's um, outlook on Madrigal from maybe a scale of one to a hundred and Joe was about a 90, you know, I've always been probably a, a 30 or a 25, not a total Madrigal hater by any means. Um, but I'm probably one of those guys that Joe's talking about that was getting somewhat proven wrong this year. I thought, I don't get me wrong. I thought he had a extremely high floor, but I just didn't necessarily know with the complete lack of power that he had shown up to this point, if the ceiling was there. And the interesting thing is, and I'll, I'll expand a little bit more upon it in the uh, piece that I'm coming out with, but with the way that the ball was dead in this year and offensive statistics have completely cratered, um, those effects of the ball don't necessarily affect a guy like Nick Madrigal as much. So where everyone else is coming back down to earth, he's a guy that's going to – power's not a huge part of his game anyway. Um, and he doesn't really strike out. So you can put whatever you want on the ball and he's not going to swing and miss at it. So his game is actually suited perfectly where the game has gone this year. And it's shown in like his, you know, statistics compared to peers where everyone else is kind of cratered back down to earth. He's pretty much stayed consistent. And on top of that, these last few weeks, he's done something that I've been kind of calling for him to do for a while, which is to, maybe sell out a little bit more early in counts and try and hit for a little bit more power because he does have that outstanding hit tool that he can afford to maybe swing and miss a little bit more earlier in counts and try and go for a little bit more power. And he started to find some gaps and even put a few balls out of the park. So uh, yeah, it's, it's tough him going down right as he's starting to click on all cylinders, especially with how thin the White Sox offense already is. And he was a, a huge piece of it so far. Dead ball era superstar, Nick Madrigal. Uh, how about we not have anyone for the rest of the season go down like they got shot by a sniper in the stands? Let's hope that can happen. And I think it's come up. It probably even came up on our on our site, uh, Slack. Could we maybe have a cart for these guys? Do they really have to get dragged off the field by teammates or coaches or, or trainers? It seems, I mean, I know a cart isn't necessarily a solution, but especially when we hear it's torn, it's like, try to run it off, Nick. And he's like, no, I have one leg left. Guys, can I? <laughs> oh, White Sox. God bless you. Uh, yeah, okay. Brett, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was you that came up with that headline of Nikki two strikes now has like one leg or something like that. It was something along those lines, but I got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> then I did my job. Um, okay. Uh, and there's also been a lot of outcry and I'm not really sure where this falls. So let's take this around, around the, uh, the circle here as well about the White Sox suddenly being injury pro. Now let's face it under Herm Schneider, by and large, the White Sox were very uh, lucky or very good with this. They have traditionally been 
outstanding with preventing injury. I don't think that's been the case for at least a good five seasons, but they had a big chunk of time where they were great. And maybe we've just gotten fattened off of that where we're like, hey, there should never be injuries. It doesn't strike me that the White Sox are getting hit worse. They're getting hit maybe weirder because, again, that sniper fire for guys running first base, that's not cool. It doesn't look good. But I'm not sure injuries are necessarily worse. I think the White Sox are still actually on the okay side of that. So the outcry, I'm not sure that it bears out, but I'm interested to know what uh, each of you think about that in terms of the White Sox suddenly being injury prone. I think it may have something to do with a league-wide issue um, as opposed to a White Sox-specific one, at least this year, um, with the schedule being out of whack from um, COVID um, and the very shortened season last year, maybe um, that schedule kind of disrupted with um, players' normal workout cycles. And um, that maybe um, is resulting in more of these kinds of injuries. Um, you know, that's at least a theory that I had kind of seen floating around. Um, and it's one that kind of makes um, it, it kind of makes more sense to me than like, um, a lot of the other ones I've seen. Um, and, but, uh, so I'm not sure if I would blame, you know, the, the team for putting them in that position because a lot of teams are having the same issues, but yeah, um, it's kind of a combination between that and, and some, some bad luck, um, you know, between, um, like Robert and, and Madrigal, like going down in a very similar way, um, in, you know, pretty, um, which with like not much time had passed, you know, since Robert's Robert's injury even. So in that short of a time period. Um, so it, it's, you know, pro- probably a combination of a couple of different things. Luck plays a role, but it's not the, the only thing at play here for sure. Okay. We seem to have rotated. I'm going to take Crystal to black. Uh, Crystal, your thoughts on the White Sox suddenly becoming uh, injury prone, so to speak. At first, I kind of wanted to blame you know, the conditioning staff, like, what is Alan Thomas doing? Is everything actually okay? But the more I think about it and the more it kind of is almost a league-wide issue, I really just think it's the shortened season and, you know, missing and bouncing back between spring training, summer training. I think it's just – and I hate to say this because they're professional athletes. They get paid to do this, and they have best access to – you know, conditioning, strength thing, like strength coaches, all of that. But I think their bodies just took a hit in that shortened season and that time off. And they're not as, you know, flexible and worked out as they used to be. So I think, I mean, it's a league, it's clearly a league wide issue. A lot more players are getting injured this year. And I think we've just had some garbage luck running to first base and they're just slightly out of shape. If we could just hold the sniper fire, I think it would help a lot. Okay, Trevor, you have dealt with your own injury problems as a player recently retired from college ball. Now, I know most of yours, I think, were centered around wrist issues, maybe not leg issues, but uh, your thoughts about uh, the White Sox and how they're sort of shaping up with uh, suddenly having these uh, uh, this rash of maybe season-ending injuries, which is sort of the drag part of this. Yeah, I don't even want to put this out into the world, but I'm going to knock on wood right after. Luckily, the pitching staff, for the most part, has stayed intact. 
unlike a lot of the, like the league wide issue, a lot of the, uh, okay, just knocked on wood, but <laughs> a lot of the other teams are dealing with pitching issues and the White Sox have stayed healthy when it comes to that. But yeah, it's weird. The soft tissue things that are going on, all three of them have been soft tissue injuries. Um, and I don't necessarily, I think it probably does have a lot to do with what Crystal was talking about. Just the fact that it seems to be a league wide issue. And so I don't necessarily know if it's a White Sox thing, but maybe there is something that they can tweak when it comes to their conditioning program to try and, you know, they do have a lot, not Nick Madrigal necessarily, but Luis Robert, Yoan Mankata always seem to be kind of dealing with soft, soft tissue things and they're big, big muscle bound guys, which seems like it could happen to a lot easier. So maybe some, maybe throwing some more flexibility stuff in there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like you said, we, we were spoiled for years and years and it seems like it's catching up with us and we're kind of hitting the the other end of it. Go figure. Yohan Mankata, the guy who limps, limps sprinting the first, limps getting out of bed, limps going for breakfast cereal is and had coronavirus last year is like, I'm good. I'm having an MVP season. I will teach a yoga class to all of them to get them like, I'm happy to do it. I do it almost every day. So I'll just come in, teach some yoga, get them nice and flexible. They'll be thankful. They will give me a world series ring. That's what they need. Like they just need something. Crystal, they should want you there working just because you haven't lost. Just get you in the park. I like their winning percent. I mean, their home record is already great. It could be better. Just DM me White Sox at White Sox. I'm available for I yoga. Every podcast, Chris, I think we end up getting you hired in a different way. I think maybe I don't remember what it was before, but uh, it was treats or souvenirs or, or t-shirts. Um, opening, but... opening glass bottles. Oh, oh yes, um, you were the bottle opener. It's either I'm getting a job <laughs> there or I'm dying there. So that's yeah, true. It's one or the other. Uh, I'm I just think... really committed. I think it's also funny that folks are pointing out, you know, they're hammering the training staff. It's like, you know, Eloy Jimenez got hurt hanging on a wall, going after a ball that was 20 feet over his head. He's been caught in the fishing net 60 different times. He got injured celebrating a no hitter. I'm not sure there's any amount of training that's going to keep this guy from not killing himself in the field, but probably another podcast. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the injury prone nature of Nick Madrigal. And we're also going to peer into the magic eight ball and see if there are actually any replacements in house for Nick Madrigal, and we will be taking that down to Louisville to get a little bit of insight there. But we're going to take a real quick break. So please, everybody, just close your eyes, take a deep pause, get into a yoga position. Everybody, downward dog, and we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it 
all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, that minute went fast. It is Southside Sox podcast number 46. Once again, celebrating a White Sox injury that might be season ending. How about that? But we got to do these emerging podcasts when people get hurt. Pantera went down and now it's magical going down. Torn hamstring that could take him out for the season. Uh, we'll at least have him out a couple months. So probably unlikely to see him back at the major league level before September. Best case scenario. And that's if rest, relaxation, and dreaming of two-strike triples uh, will help him recover. Okay. Nick Madrigal, uh, I, he, does he still have his rookie status? He keeps getting hurt every year. He, I don't know if he's accumulating enough games to not be a rookie. He might be a rookie till 2025. Last year, he was out for roughly half the year between the uh, service time gaming early on and then deciding to slide and brace himself and not knowing to slide and take an extra base and being aggressive, busted his shoulder, needed surgery last year off season, uh, this last off season. Now uh, something even worse with the hamstring um, and certainly much less, I guess his, you know, fault if injuries are ever your fault, but is there any concern about the fact that our second baseman in the future uh, can't play a full season? And not answering is not an option. <laughs> yeah. Hadn't really thought of this one. Um, I, I'm not really sure. Like he, I hadn't really thought of like the long-term, like, is this injury prone um, like trend that we've seen early on in his career going to continue? Um, I mean, he battled the wrist thing uh, in, at Oregon or, or, yes. or in college. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's – I wonder what the, like, percentages are on this for, like, players who have sustained, like, similar kinds of injuries in their first couple of seasons, like, how um, many games they've ended up missing during – out like, throughout their careers. Like, this is just – yeah, hopefully not. Um, This is – that kind of plants a a, kind of a new negative idea, but – um, yeah, I don't mean to get down on Nick Madrigal, but again, he's just <laughs> juxtaposing with maybe the superhero that is uh, disaster personnel, Yon uh, uh, Mankata, who had coronavirus and missed, I think, like five, not more than 10 games, I think five games last year. Again, he's constantly wailing and moaning and rolling. He's like the, uh, the uh, sequel to LSA Ramirez uh, in, in the box, rolling around, you know, moaning. Uh, and he misses no games. So I'm just throwing it out there, not getting down on Nick. Mm-hmm. two strikes at all. Uh, Mr. Trevor or, or, or Crystal, thoughts on the uh, po- possible injury-prone nature of our young second baseman? Um, I would say if there's anyone out of our injured guys that I'm kind of worried about, it wouldn't necessarily be magical. I would say Luis Robert because speed is such a huge part of his game and the dude tore his hip flexor muscle off the bone. I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound great. And you see him putting – Instagram stories up left and right of Domino's pizza every night, which when you're in the minor leagues running and working out constantly, that's one thing. But when you're sitting around for three months and can't work out and he's starting to get up there in age, Uh not saying that he's old by any means, but you know, there comes a point where you got to take a little bit more care of your your diet. Um, especially when speed is such a huge part of your game. I, I don't want to call him out too much, but come on. Come on, Luis. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Lines predicting the Domino's baby. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just a little worried about it. If he loses a step, 
but that's such a huge part of his yeah. game that that's critical. No, that's a good point. That's a good point because Nikki hasn't proven to like, I, you know, I, we, we sort of like heard he was going to be able to steal bases. He's a great base runner. I, I, he's got a not really nice hit tool. I'm not sure if any of those other things that have been hyped about him have really come past yet. And certainly speed isn't necessarily one of them. Although again, torn hamstring, uh, probably not great. Crystal, you worried about the injury prone nature of Nick Madrigal yet? You know, with Trevor, actually on that, I'm not as concerned with Nick Magical as I am like Luis Robert. And I mean, honestly, maybe, I don't know. If if Aloy can stop running into things, I won't be as worried. But like the two of them combined, that's just where all of my concern lies. And Trevor had a point. I mean, I've been watching those Instagram stories as well. It is a lot of dominoes and like, if I eat dominoes, I feel sick for the next like three days. So I can't imagine how that's going to affect him in the long run. Like he's going to just, he's going to slow down. He's going to be on par with Yasmani Grandal when it comes to base running. Like it's going to be rough if he keeps this up. And so yeah, I'm more concerned about him than I will ever be of Nick Madrigal. Do not want to imagine him being on par with Yasmani. Um, <laughs> hard to imagine that, but yeah, hopefully doesn't quite get to that level. On behalf of uh, Southside Sox and SB Nation, I wish to apologize to the Domino's Corporation in case you just did sponsor one of our 30-second spots that we just broke out of because, um, well, anyway, apologies, Domino's. Uh, okay, now let's talk about whether or not there are any I mean, really, let's face it. Nick Madrigal is 60 days off the team now. And, you know, we all love him. Uh, we all have his, his, his t-shirt. He's, he's, he's cute. Um, but he's gone now. Okay. He's gone for a while. Uh, he's eating Domino's with Luis. Uh, okay. Uh, in the short term, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like the battle's really whether or not you want to run out Danny Mendick or Adam Eaton against, a, uh, a, uh, I, I don't think I have it right, but at any rate, Louis, uh, uh, Larry Garcia is going to be playing uh, a, a definite share of second base. I guess Mendick is going to spell him at this point. I suppose Larry uh, tonight started in right field, so he's maybe going to pretty much play every day uh, between the two spots. Uh, and then it's either going to be Mendick or Eaton. That seems to be the little uh, triumvirate going on uh, to take over for the vacuum that is created by Nick being gone for here a couple months. Uh, there are, do not seem to be, not to steal Trevor's thunder down in Louisville, there do not seem to be immediate, immediate uh, assistance provided within the system. But this might be a good time to sag to Trevor to perhaps give us hope that it will not be such a uh, terrible 60-plus days without Nick Madrigal. Is there any hope, Trevor? Um, it's tough with the... With the way that the White Sox were constructed last year, um, they just had all these mashers. And you could hide Danny Mendick and Leary Garcia when Nick Madrigal went out for, you know, a few months in the, in that lineup because the rest of the lineup was so stacked. Um, but I'll just run through kind of some of the baseline options real quick. You got Leary Garcia, not going to walk much at all. Solid defender, nothing insanely special, um, but one of the worst hitters in the major leagues statistically this year. Uh, Danny Mendick, who has been about 20% worse than league average hitting-wise throughout his career. Very solid defender. 
Uh, not as quick of hands as Nick Madrigal on double plays, I noticed. Um, but that's also tough to top. Madrigal has some of the quickest hands I've seen. Um, some other more interesting – well, I guess these are I'll, – I'll continue with the less interesting options to me. <laughs> Down in Charlotte, you have uh, Tim Beckham, Marco Hernandez, both guys with MLB experience. Um, Beckham has been slightly worse than league average through his career at the plate has some big pop for a second baseman, but has struggled with swinging and miss and is a, a butcher defensively. He's been terrible defensively throughout his career. And then uh, Hernandez is actually uh, performing pretty well in Charlotte right now this year. Um, but in his big league time with the Red Sox has been pretty bad offensively. Um, the most interesting options to me would be you Ask Jake Lamb if he can play second base. Um, start having him field some ground balls over there. He's played third base his entire career, but um, he's been great this year. He's a left-handed bat. Um, even in his down years over the past three years, his actual um, expected WOBA was pretty comparable to his two solid years with the Diamondbacks where – he one of those years he was an all-star so I think his decline the more I look into it has been a little bit over exaggerated and with the article that um, came out on Sox Machine about how he changed his big load to more of a more subtle thing to try and stay in rhythm he's been he's been ripping the ball so if we can ride that wave somehow and he can play a little bit of second base that'd be great and if he can't play a little bit of second base I'm I'm asking Yoan Mankata if he would be willing to, to, to split, take some time at second base over these next few months until we can get a long-term replacement on the trade market, like an Adam Frazier or something along those lines. I know he's outstanding defensively at third base and I took a lot of heat on Twitter for even bringing it up, but I really think that if you make your second base defense slightly worse, your third base defense slightly worse, it's worth it to have not just that, black sinkhole in your lineup especially with how thin the rest of the um, lineup is starting to get so he Mankata has played second base his entire life he came up as a second baseman he can do it I don't think that he just improved over these last two years strictly as a third baseman I think he improved defensively quite a bit probably the most at third base but I don't think his defense at second is going to be as bad as his rookie year defense at second. Um, so even if you're just playing him over there against right-handed pitchers, when you want to get Jake Lamb's bat in the lineup, and then you put Mendick or Leary, I'd prefer Mendick in against lefties um, and shift Mankata over to third for this next month or so until you can find a long-term solution. That would be my, that would be my go-to. It's bold, but, Desperate times call for desperate measures. Trevor, I'm looking forward to reading your article and seeing the fancy graphics because uh, I was not expecting that the solution for the White Sox at second base was going to be Jake Lamb playing there or Yohan Moncada losing. And I'm with you. Yeah. I, people dogged Moncada at second base. I thought what? he was, he was what? He was a, he was a touch below average. He had a tough season there. Uh, offensively, he had a tough season. Uh, you know that he was dragging that out in defense. It would seem to me like he would be average at second 
no matter what. And again, I don't know if that's going to just spur him t- to find a way to get hurt. We've been really lucky with dodging a bullet with Johan. And if he moves a second, there's something going to happen. But and, and and definitely not to take any of the air out of your article, but these, I wish there were better options, Trevor. I wish we had a little bit more ready than uh, Hernandez, Tim Beckham, who is a butcher at short. He's not going to play second base. Uh, moving Yohan Moncada across, back across the diamond. You hate or to Jake do it. Lamb. But... I don't yeah. like those four options, um, Trevor. I've seen people on Twitter throwing out Jake Berger as well with either trying to see if Jake Berger can play second or moving Mankata and Stickenberger at third. I'm that's a lot to ask of a guy that hasn't played in the last three years. That's a lot to ask trying to acclimate to MLB pitching when he's just had maybe a month of AAA pitching that he's seen after three years off of baseball, as well as learning a new position on the fly. That's a lot to ask. I'd like to remind everybody listening to the podcast, we are talking about the Chicago White Sox, a major league baseball team, discussing these as the options now as they make their pennant push for the two for the final two-thirds of the season. Uh, Joe and Crystal, tell me you're more excited about some of what was outlined by Trevor than I am. I would very much appreciate it if they got Adam Frazier, is my first thought. Um He's having a great season and um, like similar kind of hitter off um, like as, as magical is, except, you know, a better version, even like he's getting on base 39% of the time so far. Um, 392 on base percentage has the same amount of homers as magical and fewer at bats. Imagine that. Um, That's um amazing but yeah hits hits a ton of singles um and um is he'd he'd be a great asset um playing like prime nelly fox so far and um that would be the most exciting option um the i guess like i am i guess a little bit more optimistic on danny mendick than probably the average person just because we haven't seen him in the majors that much yet. Um, so I'd be kind of hesitant to take him out of the mix um, c- compared to say Adam Eaton, where we kind of n- know more about where he stands. Um, in so like, many ways. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, like Hamilton, I want to keep him in there. He does have like the major speed asset on his side, like, Mendick and Eaton don't really have a big specialty like that, but we know more about Eaton to know that he's probably not going to be useful come playoff time. So I, I'm interested in seeing what Mendick can do, given that he's going to be getting much more playing time now with, with this injury. Christo, are you opting for the Adam Frazier trade option? That does seem to be the most tantalizing of all of these options laid out so far. Yeah, 100%. I would take him in a heartbeat. Also in real time, Adam Engel just got a home run um, as an update. So that's my baby. It's my boy. I just feel like I need to share that with the group. Uh, But yeah, no, I'm behind going for Frazier. I think that's the best option we have. I have jokingly said probably on Twitter or in Slack or somewhere, um, can Jake Berger play any position 
Um, I wish, but I, I'm with Trevor and that's, that's a big ask at the same time. Um, but yeah, if we could get another Adam on the team and maybe just completely get rid of Adam. Eaton. <laughs> you just want to trade Adams out. I know where you're going with that. You're like, Mac, we hit Max Adams. So sorry. One's gotta <laughs> go. This contract's gotta go. Oh, no. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm for it, Frazier. I just... Yeah. Now, for all of you, all, for all of you listening um, at home, of course, this is this is running in the morning, um, and you wouldn't know this, but we're all in Eastern Time Zone, so we know what's happening in the game hour ahead of all of you. So right now, back back in Chicago, you're all like, "Geez, I wonder if Adam Eaton's going to hit a homer today." That's a that's a weird pick. Wonder what that's going to happen. Wonder if they're going to win today. Well, we've seen the future. And we know that it looks really good for Crystal O'Keefe to keep her winning streak going. Again, I need Trevor to knock on wood for that one, but it looks it looks pretty good. Yeah, see, Trevor's our designated. Uh, we got the yoga and bottle opener, Joe Reese's Everyman and Socksman Champ, uh, Trevor Lines, uh, keep everything charged and keep knocking on wood. Uh, I think we're winding up because Zoom's starting to bark. Uh, but yes, this has been our Nick Madrigal has fallen special podcast edition. It's number 46 on the mothership. Thank you for everybody in the Eastern time zone joining me. You central slackers one day will show up one day. I challenge you every podcast and you do not show up lame. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Trevor. And get well soon. Nick Madrigal. <laughs>